You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Well, it's great to be with everybody today. Uh, that was quite an introduction, and uh, we do feel like this is a God thing. God's been working powerfully. Um, we have a lot to share, and uh, we're really happy to be here right now. Uh, we're, we're, we're with you. We're, we want the Holy Spirit to, to, to sweep us along. And I really appreciated Tim's uh, communion. Tim, great job, man. That was, that was awesome. And uh, that's going to be a lot what we talk about, that we got to see God in everything we're doing. And, and it's sacred, and there's so much going on right now. Uh, I want you guys to uh, meet my family. Uh, I have a picture of them, and then I have m- most of them here right in the, in the row. So that's, that's uh, Kyle. He's a six-foot-five guy, almost as tall as John. Uh, that's Caitlin, and Caitlin's here in the live. Stand up, Caitlin and Lynn. And my mother is here, too. My mother-in-law, Lynn, stand up. Come on, Caitlin. All right, you got a picture right there. Uh, and then that's Nathan. He's eight years old. He's in the third grade class. And uh, so we, uh, we really are grateful to be here right now. Uh, Kyle is a uh, junior at Cal State San Bernardino, works in the campus ministry over there. Caitlin's a senior in high school. And so uh, it is a privilege to be here. Uh, we're going to share a little bit about the journey that we're, we're going to all join together and what I think God's doing. Uh, I have kind of a Christmas sermon as well for you guys, and I'm going to preach it again next week out in my group, but I'll share, I'll spare all the stories of how God's working, I think, with this move there. But uh, our group does know we've opened ourselves up to considering uh, coming here and ministering and being a part of the staff here and being a part of this region and, and dreaming for this. So Carrie's going to share her story a little bit and just to get you guys to know us, and then I'll, I'll preach the word. Amen. Well, it is great being with you. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Uh, so far, it's been incredible being here. Um, it's so funny driving around town because we used to live in Playa del Rey and Marina del Rey when we served the ministry over 20 years ago um, in the AMS ministry in the coastal area. Um, I know it's confusing. However, it was a great time, and uh, when we moved out to the IE, uh, our son was 18 months, and so we pretty much raised our family in the Inland Empire. And, you know, I tease and I joke because it's like Mayberry. Like, I know all my neighbors. Uh, I know the managers at the grocery store. They give me hugs when I come in. And it's not like a little tiny mom-and-pop grocery store. It's Albertsons, <laughs> you know. But that's just the community that, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be able to be in. Um, but it is exciting to come home in one sense. So I do want to share that, and I am very thankful. Um, I did grow up in Southern California. Uh, my parents were high school sweethearts, and they quickly started a family. Uh, I have two sisters and a brother. And so there's kind of like two sets of us, like my older sister and I, and then a younger brother and sister. And so my oldest sister and I pretty much grew up with my parents, like as they were growing up, because they were 18 and 19. Um, and so we had tons of fun. And that was in the late 60s and 70s. Uh, so, you know, drugs and alcohol, partying was like totally standard 60s wild child type t- stuff. So through my youth, my dad really struggled with drugs and alcohol. Uh, he was very smart. He was handsome, very gifted, but he had his demons. He'd often disappear for weeks at a time, and then when he came home, it was as if he had never been gone. My mom did everything she could to keep the family together. Um, Thankfully, when I was 12, though, my dad did get sober. 
and he began a very successful company, and we moved to a wealthier part of town. So by the time I entered high school, um, I kind of went from rags to riches in a sense. And so um, I pretty much lived the typical high school socialite type life. Um, I was on the student government. I was captain of my softball team. I uh, was on the homecoming court and prom court. I dated the quarterback. It was kind of like the storybook high school life um, until my junior year of high school. And that's when I found out that I was pregnant. And uh, I was very, very selfish. I thought, I cannot be a mom. There's no way. What would people think of me? That was what I was concerned about mostly. And so I quickly made the decision to have an abortion. And uh, I thought, gosh, my future is over if I have this child. But little did I know going through with such a horrific thing that I really felt like after that, that my life was really over. Like I thought, how could I come back from this? How could I ever, ever be forgiven? Um, And so, of course, I threw myself into everything that I could throw myself into. And so after I graduated, I was being recruited to play softball at a junior college, um, but I was too busy partying in Mexico to register for classes. So my mom met with the athletic counselor and registered me. Sorry, mom. I really don't mind sharing this. I just feel bad that she has to hear it again. (sighs) Sorry. (sighs) So what I realized is that after a year of trying to work full-time, because I was the manager at Limited 2. Some of you may know that store. (laughs) It's now Justice. (laughs) Um, But I was working full-time, I was a student full-time, and I was playing the sport. And I was 17. So I just wasn't mature enough to handle all that I was being given. And so I just quit everything, and I moved back home. (laughs) And I remember it was at that time that my very best friend that we'd grown up together had, I didn't know this, she'd become a disciple. And she'd been inviting me, and I kept saying no because of what I just shared with you. I thought, I could never walk into church because God would strike me down. And so one day, ran into her and her cousins, you know, all by chance. Yeah, right. Um, But, you know, God... um, was reaching out to me. They invited me to this retreat. And I could not think of a lie or a reason why I couldn't go. And so I was in the car driving to the ATM to get money out because we didn't really even have cell phones then, I don't think. Um, And we drove to this retreat. And I was pretty much just blown out of the water by the responses of just the people and the love. And honestly, I was not somebody who accepted love very easily. And so these strangers kept trying to give me hugs. And I was dying. And I was told my best friend, I said, if one more person tries to hug me, I will punch them. You better keep them away from me. 
And that was because I did not know how to receive the love that I was being given. And so I'd been invited to study the Bible from by six different women at the retreat. I said yes to every single one of them, not knowing what I was saying yes to, but just knowing that whatever you have, I need. And so I began studying the Bible. And probably the biggest hurdle for me was uh, realizing how unforgiving I was. Here I had done so much to hurt God, and yet I was holding on to a lack of forgiveness to my abusers because I had been abused by two different men who were very significant in my life, and I thought, it must be my fault. And so I was really struggling with forgiveness, and I remember just scouring the scriptures, just trying to get my heart in the right place so that I can be united with Christ. And it was really a great challenge for me. But after much prayer, God really did help my heart uh, to surrender. And I was baptized on May 24th of 1992. Awesome. So I've been a disciple for over 26 years, almost 27 now. And when I made Jesus Lord, I had no idea what that was going to mean. Um, You know, the highs, they're really high. Like, marrying my husband was incredible. I never thought I could marry such a great man who would love me and love God so much. And we're going to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary in February. That's a miracle. That is a miracle. (laughs) Not because I'm a great wife. It's just a miracle. Um, You know, to have my amazing kids, my son, Kyle, Steve, you got to see the picture, my daughter, my little Nathan, he's amazing. Um, watching my mom become a disciple. Watching my son become a disciple, my brother and his wife. And these are just a few of the highs. The lows are also so low. Losing my dad after learning he had mental health and personal health issues. Then taking my mom in after he passed. It was around that time that our fellowship of churches went through a really rough time, and I had to do a lot of soul-searching, asking myself, why do I do what I do? And I questioned if I should serve in the full-time ministry, and obviously the answer is yes, because I'm here. Um, But it was definitely a struggle and a wrestle. Taking my younger sister in, pregnant with a child that she couldn't take care of, and now we get to raise him, and that is beautiful Nathan. He's an incredible little boy. He's a blessing to all of us. Um, Lost many family members to drugs. Uh, It's just, these are just a snapshot of the highs and the lows. And there are many more that I could add, but time won't Mm. allow. Um, But when I view all these highs and lows, and as I continue to stay in the battle, I'm reminded of Jesus and how he handles them. In Hebrews 5, verses 7 through 9, It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And my hope is that while I'm on this earth, I can battle like Jesus did so that I can learn obedience and help many see the source of eternal life. Thank you.
Carrie is awesome. I, um, yes, you're all wondering how did I get her, and the Lord is the answer. The Lord worked. Um, let's go to God in prayer as we get our hearts ready to hear the word preached and, and uh, hear some more of, I think, how he's working. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time to be here on the west side with the West Side Church. Uh, thank you for our family here and all over the world. God, we're really grateful, and uh, we ask for you right now to be here. Open our minds and hearts to receive your message, to, um, God, to be in step with your spirit. Father, help us to treat this as a sacred time, that uh, every word, every uh, connection, every interaction, uh, you're allowing it to happen, you're, you're helping it to be initiated. Uh, Father, you're a part of the plan. And I pray, God, that uh, you will bless the, the time right now or that we will be ministered to by your spirit and by your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, okay, um, when I started dating Carrie, one time on a, uh, we're having this double date down in Long Beach. And she had told me that there was a favorite movie of hers. It's a holiday movie because we're on the holiday season. And it's the movie It's a Wonderful Life. You guys ever seen that movie? Who, who's seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay. Okay, I'm not going to make you raise your hand if you haven't seen it, but you got to see it, all right? It's a classic of all time. And so we're going to use, the, today's sermon is going to be based a little on that, but I wanted to share the funny story. I hadn't seen it. I was about 20, I think I was 25 years old at that time. Carrie would have been 20 uh, at that time. And she's like, hey, you got to see this let's, on our double date. Let's watch it. It's the holidays. I said, great, let's watch it. And she said, by the way, if you watch that movie, you're going to cry for sure. I said, I'm not going to cry at a movie. I'm crying. And so I was like, sure, let's watch it. I was like taking the challenge. And my roommate, he was the same way. I'm not going to cry at this Christmas movie. And so we're watching it. And about an hour in, it's, it's, you know, it's classic. It's really unique. It's, it's, it's just amazing. It's, it's really clever. It's heartsy. But I wasn't crying. Uh, you know, an hour and 45 in, I wasn't crying. And then it got to the end. And then the story came together. The story of George Bailey who wanted to end his life because he never got to fulfill his dreams. He had all these dreams, but he didn't fulfill them because he stayed home and did what was responsible and took care of his family, took care of the situations at home. And then when, he, when, when somebody took money from him, he, he, was, he was at the end of his rope and he was going to die and he wanted to end his life. And an angel came and said, let me show you what life would have been like if you hadn't been there. And he sees, sort of like what Tim shared, the sacredness of life. And it comes all together at the end. And I was weeping for like 30 minutes straight. I, I couldn't stop crying. I was getting napkins. And I wasn't trying. I was trying to make sure my roommate didn't hear me crying. And, and then I looked over and he's same thing. We're just bawling, you know, like. And so and Carrie, I think she'd fallen asleep or left or something by then. I don't know. It was late at night. And I, I can't remember. It was, they lived nearby. So they had walked home or something. But we were, we were, we were amazed. And so Carrie's a heartsy woman. She introduced us to It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, this concept for all of us as we go on a little journey, I really believe, of how God is working. And, you know, our world is in an unprecedented place. We are more wealthy than ever before. Money's being created out of thin air. And, you know, the crypto markets, they're just inventing money. Oops. It, I mean, people are getting rich, right? The nouveau rich all around the world. Uh, it, it's scary, you know. There's so much going on. Technology, right? Amazon. Netflix, Apple, Google, things are changing. I mean, we can do unprecedented things. We can have knowledge of almost anything. You can just say, hey, go to Google and ask a question, or even easier, just say, hey, Siri, and start asking questions, right? And you can, you can get answers for everything. And yet, the Center for Disease Control just released a study that shows in America the suicide rate has gone up 30% in the last 17 years. 
And yet we have more than we've ever had before. The world is in darkness. When Carrie shared her life, that was years ago. The world is still in darkness and people are still desperate for meaning and answer in life. And today I want to talk about a really happy topic. It's a wonderful life. But we know life can be a very uh, dark, uh, or can be a, a facade, and in front of the facade, or behind the facade, is a darkness that people feel. And it's out there, and it's right here in the west side, beautiful part of town. You know, looking at the beach, looking at the mountains, seeing Southern California is an awesome place, and I love it. But we are here because God has in store for us a wonderful life that is deeper than just the glitz and glam. And Jesus is that answer. And Tim did an amazing job. I'm not going to really add anything theologically to the message. That is it. He came to open the door. He came to say God is available and it is a wonderful life because of Jesus coming to earth. Because of him dying, resurrecting and saying death will not have the final say in this world. Amen. It's a wonderful life. And I want you to begin in John chapter 1, verse 16. Let's put that on the screen. It says, from the fullness of his grace. And the word grace means favor. It means God likes you. It means means from the fullness of him really liking you, wanting to care about you, having you in mind. It says, we have all received one blessing after another. And I don't think he means just financial blessings. He's talking about that sense of sacredness, that sense of appreciation, sort of the blessing you'll see from this concept from It's a Wonderful Life, that God has relationships. He has a preciousness in even the things that are struggles for us. We have received one blessing after another. So it is a wonderful life. I want to hit on a couple things to get our minds expanded and think, and I'm going to share a little bit about even why Carrie and I are here as part of my illustrations of our points. But my point number one is this. Why is it, why is life wonderful? Why, what, what about it makes it so good, Steve? What is good news, really? Because if you read the news, it's all bad news. But the good news is that God is a dreamer. And I want to apologize for the font on my uh, keynote. My son did the keynote and the fonts must not have gotten downloaded because that, that's a basic font. Sorry. It was really good earlier. <laughs> um, yeah, it was really good. It was, but it didn't translate. So we'll work on all that. God's a dreamer. One of the greatest stories you can read is the birth of Jesus. It's the holiday season. Have you read? I mean, I don't know if you're going to read the birth of Jesus stories. Let's study those a little bit together. All right. Turn with me to, in your Bible or scroll in your Bible. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'll just put the, the, the scripture reference on the screen. And that's Luke chapter one. Let's go to Luke chapter one. And scroll down with me to verse 26, all right? Or turn. Anybody have a real Bible with them today? Okay, good. Good. Brooke has a real Bible. That's good. Let's begin reading. God is a dreamer, and he wants you to be a dreamer. God is a dreamer. He It's in his DNA, and it's in your DNA. you got to let it come out. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we read, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this this might be. Now, let's stop real quick. This is interesting. Somebody comes up to you and says, Hey, you are awesome. 
man, God is with you. And you're, and, and it says she was scared. She was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Maybe because she understood a little bit of the way God works. You know, and of course it was an angel out of nowhere. That might have been it too, right? But, but she, she's troubled. Whoa, whoa, what kind of greeting? I know you think I'm awesome, but I think she kind of understood a little bit of the history that how God works, the, the history of her people, the history of what God's done through the ages that when God comes, he's going to surprise you a little bit. Of course, in verse 30, it says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be called great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. God is a dreamer. He's amazing. He has great plans for people. He has great plans for you individually. He had great plans for Mary. But they're surprising plans, aren't they? They're normally not the plans that that you would think for yourself. Here she is engaged to be married and told she's going to become pregnant uh, in a miraculous way during her engagement. That's that's going to not stand, you know, that's not going to look good in, in society, especially that culture, not in our culture, almost any culture. That didn't look good. And yet God had a plan. She was given a choice. You know, she, she, you could get a sense of, okay, okay, what are you saying? She's like, okay, may it be to me as you've said. If the word of God says it, all right, I'm, I'm in. I'll, I, I, I'm going to participate in the plan. You know, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey's a dreamer. He wants to make great things happen. Let's look at the little video clip of George Bailey. Wine English cowhide, combination lock, fitted up with brushes, nope, combs. Nope, 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 nope. I'll look, Joe. Now look. I... I, I want a big one. What'd you stop it for? I want you to take a good look at that face. Who is it? George Bailey. Oh, you mean the kid that had his ears slapped back by the druggist? That's the kid. Ah. It's a good face. I like it. I like George Bailey. Tell me, did he ever tell anyone about the pills? Not a soul. Did he ever marry the girl? Did he ever go exploring? Well, wait and see. Big, see, I, I don't want one for one night. I want something for a thousand and one nights. With plenty of room here for labels from Italy and Baghdad, Samarkand. Great big, Senpai. I see a flying carpet, huh? Yeah, I don't suppose it like this old second-hand job, would you? Ah, oh, you're talking. Gee whiz, I could use that as a raft in case the boat sunk. How much does this cost? No charge. That's my trick here, George. Sound like you said no charge. That's right. What? What's my name doing on it? Here? Little present from old man Gawa. Came down and picked it out himself. He did? What do you know about that? My old boss. George the Dreamer. He had saved the, the drugstore owner from poisoning somebody and never told anybody. And, uh, you know, he does all these little things behind the scenes. Little sacred things, special things. 
And, of course, he gets blessed with this big suitcase because he wants to see the world. And a lot of times we relate to wanting to do big things, and then we look at our life, and, and it's not as big as we'd hoped. And I would urge us to recognize that there's something big going on in all our lives if you can look past the facade. God is planning something big. He's planning something big for your faith. He's planning something big for your family. And I want you to ask yourself, Westside Church, what, what's the dream? Have you, you know, it's easy when you get older. Guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, a lot of times they give up their dreams. Because they haven't happened yet. Or, 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 or their dreams that they had in mind. But see, God is dreaming for each individual. He was dreaming for Mary. Mary's a faithful young girl, a teen. Obedient, faithful, great girl, new God. And yet, what? I'm going to be pregnant out of wedlock? How could this be? Of course, she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Pretty amazing plan, right? And in some, you know, forms of Christianity, which aren't accurate, but they, you know, they worship her, uh, Mary. And she's a, she became a disciple and she's faithful to, you know, the Lord. But, you know, it's incredible that God does things we could never imagine. In 1990, to tell you my story a little bit, I was um, rollerblading down at the beach in Manhattan Beach. And rollerblading was cool back then because they had just been invented. Yes. Uh, I think I had some OP shorts. And a tank top. It's working out like Steve Ricci. I had just graduated from UCLA, and I had began a career as a stockbroker right here in Century City uh, for Payne Weber, working on the 29th floor of the North Tower. And I was dreaming of making a lot of money and living this fast life and owning a convertible Porsche, driving it around and looking cool. But I was empty inside. I was, I was doing things that were immoral. I, I, I was seeking these dreams. I had, I had co-workers that were millionaires. And this is like in, you know, this is like in 1990, right? These guys are making, these guys had a lot of money. And, but the funny thing was, they were envious of me being young and running around just doing foolish things. And they were, they were envious of me doing that. I thought, wait, I'm trying to be like you and you're trying to be like me. Well, none of us have it figured out. And so I was really happy that I got invited on that rollerblading day out to a Bible study. It was up the street in, in Manhattan Beach by a guy named Sutton Whitaker who uh, was in his residency uh, as a doctor at UCLA Medical School. And um, I showed up to the Bible talk. It was right in, right in the neighborhood. And I, I made a point. This time I'm showing up. A lot of times, nowadays people say, yeah, yeah, maybe I'll come. And they don't come, right? People tell you they'll come to all kinds of stuff, but they don't come, right? But I said, this time I'm holding my word, I'm doing it, and I showed up. And of course, similar to Carrie, as the word of God was unveiled to me, and I began to see the real meaning, as I began to see the sacredness of life, as I began to see who Jesus really was, it transformed me. I started to see there's a, there's a purpose for my life. And after studying the Bible just for multiple weeks, um, I made a decision. Jesus is going to be the Lord. I'm going to cons- be, my whole life's going to be consumed with Jesus. I was baptized in 1990. It was awesome. I was a UCLA grad, so UCLA ministries here. Come on. I was actually completing one class. You know, sometimes you walk through graduation, that one class to finish the degree requirement. But I got my diploma in 1990. You know, it was the relationships with other people that were following him that moved my heart. 
And in 1992, I, I had the opportunity to baptize Carrie. I was the one that day when she wanted to get baptized. Back then in our ministry, it was like the men ministry leaders did the baptizing. I happened to show up for a baptism. It's good to show up for other people's baptisms, especially the pretty girl you hope makes it. And, um, and I baptized her, you know. It was awesome. And we got married in 1994. Um, you know, Carrie's mom, Lynn, she's here. She's been a faithful disciple for 25 years. She's awesome. And we're so grateful to have Kyle and Caitlin and Nathan. It's God has given us a wonderful life because we know the preciousness of those relationships. You know, in 1998, so we went in the ministry full time in 1994, um, right here in the South Bay. And Carrie shared a little bit about that. And then we served uh, the singles ministry. We served the uh, the youth and family ministry, uh, partnership of the marriage ministry right here up and down the coast. I mean, all, it was a great time. And back at that, back then, we had a ministry in L.A. It was called it was called the Sports and Entertainment Ministry. Yes, yes that's what it was called. And it was designed to reach out to athletes and entertainers. So, you know, I, you know, I ran into an actor yesterday. Uh, the guy, uh, well, I won't share it, but, uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll tell you, it was Phil from Modern Family. And I get made fun of all the time that I'm like him. So I'm like, all right, whatever. But I met him. I said, you're awesome. You know, he was he was encouraging. So, hey, that's not a bad plan on the, on the west side. You know, God wants that to happen. But after four years of doing that, God called us. I didn't. I thought, you know, we're going to stay here for a long time. I liked living here. I graduated from here. You know, I was married here on the, on the, on the coast. But God had a plan. And we were called to move out to the Inland Empire in 1998, actually 20 years ago, almost to the day. It was December of 1998. We were called to go start and lead a campus ministry. Uh, we were really emphasizing college ministry. And I went over there and we took on a, a what the, we gathered all the students. It was about 50 students and, and it was just so much fun. We grew it to like 130 in the next two and a half years. It was awesome, right? Exciting. And subsequently, our life was deeply entrenched in the ministry on the west side. It was an exciting time. And Carrie and I, for the past 20 years, have been trained by uh, Mike, well, 15 years by Mike and Libby Rock on the west side to oversee all the, the churches in the Inland Empire. And there's three churches over there, one in Riverside, the one in Rancho Cucamonga that we lead, and one in the Desert Cities. Um, and, and we even, you know, I know everybody dreams of this when you have a church. You always have a dream of uh, not having to set up the stage like this every week, even though you guys are doing an awesome job, by the way. I love the setup in here. This is a great setup, uh, I have to say. I, but I know it's a lot of work. So we, we had the same thing. We dreamed, let's get a building. And uh, so we, in fact, we kept getting kicked out of places on midweeks. You know, the teachers didn't want you using their, their rooms because, you know, you have your kids' classes and the middle school teachers don't want you messing stuff up. We kept getting kicked out of these middle schools. We're like, we got to find a building. We found a warehouse, and the L.A. Church has a plan to help, you know, different ministries get buildings. We went through the plan. We got the building, and I was the chief designer and architect. No, I wasn't the architect, but I worked with the architect and, and, and planned the whole thing. And I was a project manager building this building over the whole last year. And it's almost done. And our dream was to plant this thing and make it awesome. It's going to be, we're going to build this thing awesome. And then Mike keeps saying, you're going to be raised up. But all through this, God has other plans. And so why am we here today? You know, essentially interviewing to, to consider coming here. Why? Because God has surprising plans. And he puts things in people's hearts. 
And he moves people around. And, and Steve did share it. Ken, Ken and Steve occasionally be fishing. And, of course, a lot of people, uh, you know, we move around a lot in our ministries throughout Los Angeles. So there's people here from everywhere. And certainly people from the Inland Empire here. We always, we know about what's going on, you know, all over the church. We've always wondered, God, are you going to move us? But he, Ken did kind of fish a little bit out in Panama back in October. And, of course, we had a joy being here back in April because we were speaking to you about your Middle East missions, and we are partners with you. And so we've always had a heart. We together are the two ministries, the Inland Empire and the West Side and the whole coastal, that support the world missions focus in the Middle East. An incredible plan. You guys have been so sacrificial. Of course, um, a lot of the ministers who were integrated into the ministry work there have moved on for various reasons. So you guys have been giving, but maybe not had as much tangible connection to the work in the Middle East. And that was on my mind, too, knowing that we needed to solve that. And then when Ken and Steve and Jackie kind of fished around a little bit, we started thinking about it. And, and Ken kind of, when I talked to him, I saw some humility. He's like, hey, we need help. Are you thinking about it? I mean, if you come, you know, I, you know, we, 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 you know, I think we'll let you lead it eventually. So he was, he was thinking stuff and he was throwing stuff out. I don't think Lena knew he said that. Um, but I, but it got me thinking. I walk into a class and I say, Carrie, um, and we're at the world conference. When you're at a world conference, God starts moving your heart. Whenever you go to any conference, God starts moving because the spirit's there. And she just heard this lesson that said, and I think Steve referenced it a little bit. She heard this lesson that said, listen, will you stay comfortable or are you willing to drop things and go where people need to be saved? And she had just heard that and she starts thinking about it and she's moved and she's emotionally connected. And I walk in and say, hey, Ken, throw out this idea. And she's like, what? And all of a sudden we started thinking, okay, God, are you, what, what are you doing? In the subsequent weeks, we talked to Steve and Jackie, and we, and we told them, you know, we're not sure. We're kind of open. We're not, we're not sure what to do. We know God has this, a plan for both the Inland Empire and the West, West Side to grow incredibly, but we want to be surrendered to God's plan. Well, over the, the, the ensuing weeks, a number of different ministers who had nothing to do with L.A., just friends of ours, started bringing up, hey, you're a UCLA grad. How's the ministry doing? How, have you ever thought about going back over there and helping? Hey, that church, how, have you ever... People started bringing things up out of nowhere. I even had a sister in your own ministry. On I, I looked at it this morning on October 12th. Tiffany, is she here? Where's Tiffany? Tiffany, there she is. October 12th, I'm having my quiet time. And Carrie and I had, had, had decided to pray and fast and go, God, you have this whole plan for us to lead the Inland Empire. But, but are you shifting the plan? You do that kind of thing. We have to be open to it. So I'm having my quiet time. And all of a sudden, I get this text from Tiffany. By the way, I didn't even know she was on the west side. And she was one of our interns in the campus a long, long time ago. So she texts me and she says, hey, Steve, I just had a dream. You showed up out of nowhere in my dream. How are you doing? And I'm like, what? Mind you, I hadn't told anyone that that these thoughts were in our heart. No one. Other than uh, we talked to Steve and Jackie about the fact that Mike and Libby have this great plan for us. And certainly we're going to fall through with that. And Mike also has uh, prostate cancer. And, and if he has to have any kind of surgery, we're not even going to open the door. So this was even before he knew anything. And she has that dream. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I just told her, we're building this great building. You should come out. when it, We're going to start it very soon. You know, you're going to come back. And um, so I thought, that is crazy. And so more and more things. Everywhere we look, God kept saying, you need to consider this. You need to open your heart to this. You need to consider being a part of God doing something, not really just for the west side. I believe he wants to do something for the whole L.A. church. Because, you know, we're a part of a, a much greater group than 
our local ministries. We're a part of a fellowship of over 5,000 disciples, of over 100,000 people all around the world. We want to fulfill the dreams that God has, not our own selfish dreams. Amen? So my, my challenge to you is to be a dreamer and to understand that God has dreams for you, but they will be surprising. Point number two. God is for us. God is for us. It's clear as day in the scriptures. Let's look at another account of the birth of Jesus story, right? Let's go to chapter 2 of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And we read there. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let's stop real quick. Here's these shepherds in the field. You know, shepherding's hard work. Shepherding's not an easy job. If you ever read, uh, you know, there's books on this. And we don't really have too many actual shepherds. Although I will say one time I saw a flock of sheep on the 15th freeway right here in L.A. And a shepherd tried to like, get them from being stuck on the freeway. That was the funniest thing ever. We don't have too many in our day. But, but that's hard work. Now, here's the thing. We, are, we have spiritual shepherds, don't we? You are a spiritual shepherd. And certainly we have, uh, you know, the shumps are, 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 you know, Mark is an appointed elder. He's a shepherd. Uh, amen. You know, the Chows, the Spass, you know, Kenny, these are the staff who have been commissioned. Uh, the, the Mariches are commissioned to be shepherds of the flock, uh, evangelists, teachers, trainers, and shepherds of the flock. And you are called to be a shepherd of the flock spiritually to care about one another. And it's hard work. It is definitely hard work. And God knew these guys were working hard, doing what they needed to do, and he appears to them out of nowhere, right? Why? I, I, you know, he, he tells them, I'm going to tell you, he, he's concerned about everybody. Even maybe the lowly shepherds, he was concerned about them. He wanted to inspire them. And so he, 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 he says he shines, right? The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they're afraid again. You know, when God's calling you to something great, you, you're going to be a little fearful, when he calls you to do something big, you've had it in the back of your mind. You've just been afraid to act on it. It's good news. It's good news that God is on your side. God is for you. And he goes on and he tells him in verse 11. Skip down with me in verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, so the Savior, the Son of God is coming. This glory shines around him. And then the sign is going to be a little baby wrapped in a... What's that a sign of? That'd be a sign of bad parenting. You stuck your baby in a food trough in a stable. Right? That's what it was. I mean, the, the, the Son of God was in a food trough for animals when he was born, you know? A couple in our ministry, Stu and Ashton, you guys know Stu and Ashton, they just had little baby Savannah. I wouldn't have felt good if they stuck her in a little food trough for an animal, right? I'd be like, come on, you know, let's go get some good health care. And you got to pray for her. She's had some, you know, little Savannah Joy does need some more prayers. But um, it was a sign because God works in those little small ways, like Tim talked about. The sacred areas, areas you wouldn't expect 
in verse 13, it says, suddenly a great company. So now here he comes big time. He says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God. So they did get to see the crescendo of energy. Sometimes God does that too. He's for us. And so he knows that you need the little, little signs. And sometimes he knows that you just need it big, bold, and exciting, right? He, he knows both. He can do both. And he, you see evidence of it all the time. And it says in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Wow. He's saying he likes you. God's saying, I really like you. In fact, he sent his son to say, I have a plan. I care a lot about the human race. I want things to be wonderful. I want them to have an awesome life. I want them to have peace and to know they are protected and cared about. He doesn't promise all the wealth of the world. But he does promise a fulfillment that passes understanding. And I do believe occasionally he gives a little bit of wealth so we can use it for his glory. Not for our own glory, ever but for his glory. And he likes us, so you know what? He doesn't mind us enjoying ourselves a little bit. I bought UCLA season tickets this year. I was so sure they were going to be good because we hired Chip Kelly. I was like, oh, man, I'm getting them. And they were really cheap. They were like 150 bucks for the whole season. That was a pretty good price. They were not good. I gave some of the tickets away. I gave some to Brian Gold. He got to enjoy some with his family, I think. And uh, I gave them to, I offered them to all kinds of people because I couldn't make all the games. But God doesn't mind us having some fun because his favor rests on us. He wants us to enjoy our life. But he works in the small ways behind the scenes. His voice is there. And my challenge to you is, do you believe he's on your side? Do you believe he's for you? Do you believe he's for the West Side? Do you believe he's for the L.A. Church? God is for us. He's on our side. Carrie and I, we're not sure what God's going to do, but we're willing to go wherever he wants us to go. We're willing to do whatever he needs us to do. You know, we're ready. We're surrendered. We're looking for the signs. We're looking for the little tiny messages that tell us what to do and where to go. And man, when you get these things like a text out of nowhere, I mean, things like that in a dream. God does even use dreams now and day, now now in our day. It's amazing. And I think we got to listen to that and trust that and and watch for the small things, the signs that God has for us. You know, I want to close out. Actually, let me show you the video of how God spoke a little bit to um to george let's look at george hey what's what's with you what what would you say just a minute ago why do you want to save me that's what i was sent down for i'm your guardian angel i wouldn't be a bit surprised ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money eight thousand dollars yeah i think just things like that how do you know that i told you i'm your guardian angel i know everything about you well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Uh, I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. Only one way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting. 
Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. I found it out a little late. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. Amen. So, at that point, of course, George gets the wish of seeing that he'd never lived. And then, and then it's unveiled to him that without his life, his own brother would have died. Without his life, his own brother wouldn't have saved a whole transport where, you know, hundreds of men would have died in the war because his brother saved them. Everything has a ripple effect. And that's why when Tim was preaching about every little thing we do, every conversation, it matters. God uses it to create a crescendo of faith and energy or our, our faithlessness, our negativity, our, last, our lack of, our, our, of, of peace, our cynicalness can create a crescendo that begins to squish our faith. And what God has in store for us is so much more. And not only for us, guys, he has it in store for people we walk by on the street all the time. That's why we're here. There's meaning in this life. It's a wonderful life because we're here for a reason that matters. And I want to close. Of course, Jesus coming down is so inspirational. He's our hero. For me as a young man, I just wanted to know how do I live my life? I need a plan. I need a purpose. I want to know how, how do you fear this thing out called life? Jesus has the answers. Jesus is the answer. And we see, we'll just read one verse of this last account uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It says, The virgin will be with birth, or will be, will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew in his book begins saying, God with us. We all know the verse in Matthew chapter 28. It says, go and make disciples, right? The end of his, of his story, the good news of Jesus. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Teach them to obey. And then he says, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. As we do the things God wants us to do. As we make disciples and change the world and, and sell out our lives for his mission and his purpose and the community that we're in and the greater community around us and the world at large, as we say yes, we trust that you have a dream. Yes, we believe that you're for us. And yes, we know you're right by our side because we're joining you in the work that you're already doing, God. God's already working here. He's been working in Carrie and I's life. We're, we, we, we don't need a job. We are excited about our vision in the IE. But you know, we love you guys too. And, and if you guys want us to come here, we're willing to come. All right, we're, we told Steve and Jackie, we told Ken and Lena, we told Todd and Tanya, we're willing to come. Uh, we, we, believe, we believe God's been working powerfully because I think he's got a bigger plan than all of us can understand. And for some reason, people are having dreams and everybody I talk to thinks it's a really good idea. Whereas years ago, that wasn't that way. But now everybody thinks it's a good idea. Karen and I are emotionally ready. We're, we're, we're set to do whatever we need to do. We're in a really good place. Uh, our family's in a good place. We're surrendered souls. And uh, we want to live a wonderful life side by side. Amen? Love you guys very much. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.